Hello and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. Thank you for clicking on the button. Uh, the podcast in association with Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. And it's also with Cytoplan, a fine purveyor of food-based supplements based near me actually in the west of England, up in Welland near Malvern. And my father, who's a GP practitioner, doctor in the UK, and also a micronutritionist who's taught nutrition and has consulted with Cytoplan on supplements, recommends their supplements. We've been taking them for around two decades and anecdotally have fared pretty well. And it's kind of based on the, this premise that particularly trace elements like selenium are pretty low, uh, selenium and zinc pretty low in the UK soil. So it's good to boost them. He recommends a supplement called Immunovite, which you can get from the Cytoplan website. The website uh, for Cytoplan, the company C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N. And he recommends Immunovite, which is I-M-M-U-N-O-V-Y-T-E. And if you want 10% off, you can type in the discount code DRAPER10, D-R-A-P-E-R, my last name, then the number 10. Hope you're well. Um, this podcast coming up today is actually, again, uh, thanks to Sky Sports. It's an interview. I think it's on Zoom. It almost seems like I'm shouting. I don't know if you've found this, but I'm doing it on Zoom uh, for Sky with some mixed martial artists. They've got a show, Sky Sports Saturday night, called Bellator Recharge. Looking back at some great Bellator nights. Sky, the company I work for in my day job. Uh, I'm a sports broadcaster in the UK. They are showing Bellator old matches, have rights to Bellator fights, not the UFC, which obviously the UFC is back full swing, swinging for the, the fences in terms of uh, sporting parlance. They've been back in the midst of the pandemic and having events, obviously, with social distancing, hygiene, cleanliness, testing in Florida. And I believe they're going to Las Vegas this coming weekend, Monday the 18th of May. I'm recording this, so I think this weekend, theory, Vegas is opening slowly, as Florida obviously has already. And people have been to the events say that they are um, going to restaurants and stuff as well, which is interesting for those of us in the UK. That certainly doesn't seem to be on the immediate horizon anyway. We've been locked down since mid-March. And although coffee shops are opening for takeaway and things like that, not nothing in terms of sit-down restaurants, even outdoors, which I believe Spain and Italy are doing this week. If you're looking back on this in the future and want to know kind of what the sort of context and the relative timescales were for coronavirus pandemic, if you're listening into this uh, from a time later on once hopefully coronavirus has been banished or at least we've learned to live with it safely and healthily um but yeah i've been doing bellator at these things and this is chael sonnen who is a former contender at middleweight light heavyweight competed in the heavyweight grand prix as well in bellator in 2018 campaigned into his 40s he's now 43 just retired i think back end of last year or maybe about a year ago but f he's very vocal very uh straight shooting charismatic He's a, he's a character, all right, and hopefully you'll enjoy this chat. But I said I was sort of straining with talking. I don't know what it is about the Zoom format, but when I'm doing an interview and you obviously you envision, but for some reason it almost feels like you shout a little bit. So I apologise if that comes across. Hopefully the compressors here in uh, the system I use to record podcasts, which is Anchor, the Anchor app, hopefully that kind of softens it a little bit. But I hope you enjoy it. And yeah, Chael Sonnen mixed martial artist legend here he is hello there my name is ed draper we are going to be talking mixed martial arts a sky sports video we're going to talk a bit of ufc as ufc 249 became one of the first major sports worldwide to come back in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic we're going to talk bellator 2 
Bellator's uh, MMA Recharge show on Saturday nights on Sky Sports. We're going to talk with one of the competitors there who was on the first show this past weekend, a legend of both UFC and Bellator, a serial contender for many a year. Chael, how are you? Welcome Welcome to the conversation. Are you well? How am I? I'm bored. There's nothing to do and there's, there's nobody to do nothing with. I'm happy to talk to you, Ed. I can tell you that much. Good man. Good man. Um, how, how has lockdown been? Have you been, you've been tra- are you still training? I know you're retired, but are you, are you keeping in shape? I, I work out in my garage. I cannot call it training. Training is a word that gets greatly overused. There, there's workouts and there's practice and the training is a whole other deal. I don't think I will ever train again. Fair enough. I think you've, well, you've done your bit, to be fair. Now, we spoke to Big John McCarthy last week, who's been hosting the Bellator MMA Recharged on Sky Sports, which has been going out here Saturday night. And he was saying that UFC 249 at the weekend would be a, a blueprint, potentially, for combat sports. What are your reflections on it? Yeah, possibly for all sports. I mean, I'm hearing that even from, you know, commissioners of other leagues. They're talking about looking at how you do something, how you do it safely. Look, I thought it was a major hit. I was greatly appreciative in the way that the UFC not only took the unified rules, which are very stringent in all fairness, Dana White then moved the goalpost three times. I mean, he made it very hard. He made it very expensive on himself, but he also made it very safe. Yeah, he did. He did. And what was your... Um, look at the controversy around or, or the mention of the non-disparagement clause, which, which Dana had to react to Showtime's Stephen Espinosa, who, who he pointed out should have known because he was a lawyer about, about that and how Dana says you, you, you could say something critical about the event if it was truthful, which is kind of a legal standpoint that's, that, that's familiar to people in the UK and the USA, I suppose. What, what was your take on, on that clause? Have you ever had to sign anything like that? Would you sign that going into that event? Yes and yes. I mean, I think that was very fair. If I was on Dana's side, you have to put things like that in your contract. We have those at Bellator. There's other things like that within the UFC. I mean, there's a reason, you know, a promoter wants things, uh, not lies, said about it, particularly when you're dealing with something uh, so insensitive. I will just tell you this. If I was the lawyer drawing up that contract, I would put that clause in there. (laughs) Yes, it's a solid point, isn't it? What about um, the commentator aspect of it? It's quite interesting hearing from uh, Joe Rogan today making comments that he thought that the analysts were affecting some of the action in a sense that they could hear them because there wasn't a crowd there. Is that, is that an interesting subplot for you? Do you think that perhaps people should be mindful of what they say in case they do swing a fight? I will tell you this. I, I didn't like getting in on that. As a fan, I, I didn't like that they were letting us in on that. You know, I think Greg Hardy started it, so there was no way to ignore it. Greg Hardy in his post-fight interview said, I could hear Daniel Cormier. He was an added cornerman. I respect him, so I started making adjustments because I was listening to him. But I, I didn't need to know all of that. As a viewer and a fan, I thought they were letting me in a little bit too much on how the sausage was made. I, I don't give a damn about all that stuff. Yeah, fair. Keep, keep it behind closed doors, the, the secrets yeah. to it. Scott Coker has now said with Bellator, could be July return. What do you envisage there? Do you expect them to go big like, like UFC did in terms of uh, a fully stacked card or... Or could it be a soft launch? What do you say? What do you think? Well, I heard an awesome rumor that I hope is true. So what I heard they were going to do, Scott Coker and Bellator, is they were going to go to a studio. Just a studio, a set like you film a TV show that Paramount owns. Likely in New York was my understanding of it. But I think that's great. You know, the, the audience is a lot of fun and that energy, it's a, it's a really special thing. I kind of like where TV is going right now. I mean, I've been watching Jimmy Fallon. He's doing it from, uh, you know, his house, his living room. His kid <laughs> came and climbed on his shoulders one day. There's something special about it. I'm not sure, Ed, that TV's ever going to go back to the way that we knew it. I, I don't think it's going to stay where it is now, but I don't think it goes all the way back. I think we're starting to find, even what you and I are doing right now, we're starting to find there's other ways out there. There's other technologies. Um, 
I think it's going to be a real quick. As far as a loaded card, yeah, he probably is going to. You know, I think Coker and mm. Dana White have the same problem right now, which is they have a whole bunch of fights and they don't have a whole bunch of dates and they're going to have to consolidate. They're going to have to write a big check, but for the rest of us, pretty good time to be a fight fan. It certainly is. What did you, what did you make of, of the UFC card and the, the ramifications, particularly the main event, Gaethje's win over Ferguson? How impressed were you with that? Oh, I thought it was amazing. You know, Justin Gaethje is not, not to be played around with. I mean, th this guy's got great hands. He's tough as heck. And by the way, he's a Division I All-American wrestler. And I, I have mm. to tell you that because unless you look at his resume, you won't know that. He just simply doesn't use it in his fights. That drives me crazy. I don't think that that's necessarily wise. It turns out he's got a really good skill set on his feet. Mm. But I don't know why he wouldn't use his bread and butter. So he's just one of these guys that you can never count out because as good as what you see is, Ed, it turns out he's got another skill. He's got a mm. whole other skill that if he needs to, to reach and pull that ace out of his uh, sleeve, he's got it. And I will tell you one thing that came away from 249 that I'm surprised nobody's talked about is the judging. I mean, if the fighters have been a little bit rusty, my goodness, I guess we have to say the same thing about the judges. They had some both back and forth matches. They had Olenek and Verdum, a split decision. That could not have been a clearer two rounds for Olenek, one for Verdum. The women's mm. fight with, with Watterson. One judge has it 30-27. Another judge has it for the, for the opposite opponent. I mean, that was one of the goofiest nights of scoring that I've seen in a period of time. Yes, yeah, it's, it's back and the judges are already getting flack, aren't they? Which is, uh, which is good, good to see, I guess, normality in, in some way. Uh, what do you think about... It's interesting, that Gaethje, because you had the wrestling background yourself. We saw you last week on Sky Sports on Bellator MMA Recharged in the heavyweight Grand Prix quarterfinal win over Rampage Jackson, where you're using your, your, your wrestling skills. Why doesn't Gaethje do that? I think he said in the past that he, he figures it's an entertainment sport and that maybe wrestling isn't as entertaining, which is his, his background. Or is it just that he's so good at striking? You know, and I don't know that answer. I've never understood it. He's not the first guy we've seen do that. Dan Henderson was a two-time Olympian. He never used wrestling. Josh Koscheck was a national champion. He, he fell in love with his right hand. Johnny Hendricks, I would argue, possibly cost him his career because he mm. fell in love with his right hand. Look, some of these guys get so good at it. Golfers do this all the time where they fall in love with the swing and they like the oohs and the ahs from the crowd. I mean, I don't know how much we need to be critical or question Justin Gaethje being is that he is the world champion right now. Perhaps we need to study him, but I do think it's a little bit odd. I mean, it's certainly uh, rare that a mm. guy has such an overwhelming skill set that he worked on since he was five years old, gets into the pros and throws it aside. Yeah. And, and, and interesting on that note, Conor McGregor, who we can talk about all day because he's been busy with a, with a tirade on Twitter, a, a few people, but he said he'd butcher Gaethje. Is, is that because he figures Gaethje would, would continue striking or would he have to do something different against Conor McGregor? Well, you know, Conor McGregor's got a lot better wrestling defense than people give him credit for. If you go see the Chad Mendes fight, I think that you would, you would start to see some of that. But even with Khabib, I mean, Khabib had to struggle. And I understand what happened in that fight. And I understand that Khabib was dominant. But to make believe as though Khabib didn't have to work to get to those positions is fiction. Connor really made him work. And so I do think that Connor believes that Justin would stand up with him. I believe Justin would stand up with him. I do believe Connor is the faster and more powerful of the two. But I don't know who's more durable. I mean, dur mm. durability is one thing that's kind of an intangible. It's very, very hard to see from your living room. Gaethje appears to have spades and durability. Mm. He certainly does. What do you make of Connor? Because you, you, you've been known as an outspoken guy, but I suppose a respectful guy with that. Whereas was Connor has said he butchered Gaethje. He called Khabib a scurrying, hiding rat. He said he's accepted a fight with six-weight <laughs> boxing world champion Oscar De La Hoya. This is in the space of a few days. Talking about Dustin Poirier at times as well. What, what do you make of the, the trash talking, particularly the stuff 
about Ferguson in the recent aftermath of, of such a brutal defeat? Look, Connor's a lot of fun. And if you were to rewind the tape a year ago, he was doing the same stuff. And I found it very annoying. I mean, the reports were he wasn't in the gym. He certainly wasn't licensed anywhere. It didn't even appear that he was going to come back. So if you call a guy out, but you're not willing to step into it, I, I don't particularly love that kind of stuff. Connor McGregor means it right now. He mm. will fight Oscar De La Hoy. He's not kidding. He will go out there, do his best to butcher up Justin Gaethje. He'll, he'll give Poirier a rematch. I mean, Connor's spreading the venom around. I'm just not convinced that he's going back to 155 pounds. If we're to see Gaethje taking on Khabib, I tend to believe that that just pushes the calendar two out for Connor. I think Connor's looking for something else to do. I think that's where George Mosvidal possibly comes into play. I think that's where Nate Diaz trilogy comes mm. into play. I just don't know that I'm convinced that Connor's next fight will be at 155 pounds. Are you convinced by him at 170 then? I think he's going to fight at 170. I think you could have an argument that Connor's the number one contender at 170. Look, if they do. Usman and Masvidal, and I hope they do. I hope that all gets worked out. We're just seeing some gamesmanship here. I think that's really the right fight to do. I'm not sure you can't say Connor's not next in line. Mm. There's a number of good arguments. Leon Edwards comes to mind. You've always got T. Wood in there, Colby Covington. Connor's name is just as good as anybody I just threw out. I mean, the guy's won three world championships. He diminishes himself. Connor comes out, tells everybody he's a champ champ. He's a champ champ champ. He's won so damn many world championships, he forgot about the interim title. I was there the night he beat Chad Mendes. I was there when they put that around his waist. He's got three world championships. Don't tell me Conor McGregor doesn't matter. He does. He, cer he certainly does. Talking about um, Bellator and potential free agent Michael Chandler, what do you make of, of his situation? Because you were someone that moved between the UFC and Bellator. He's going to be a free agent, turned 34 years of age. Scott Coker, I believe, the end of last month said he'd look at the situation See if he could rejig the numbers. I know Michael says that his, his focus is his wife and son and what's the best for them. What advice would you have for him at this stage of his career? Well, Chandler's a stud. And look, if he wants to go out there and, and, and try something new, go somewhere else. I mean, Demetrius Johnson did that from the UFC, just a name that you would recognize. It's a very common thing that guys mm -hmm. grow and mature and then eventually want to move on. Sometimes they want to move on because it's easier pasture in all fairness. Uh, 155 pounds in Bellator is murderer's row. If somebody did their time there and even won a championship like Chandler did, and now they want to move on and try something else for whatever reason, including if it's a little softer, slower pitch baseball, if you will, good for him. I don't see anything wrong with that. And Scott Coker's always had the same policy, which is this is a volunteer army. I do not <laughs> force anybody. I don't, tie, I don't defer back to a contract. If you want to break up and go your separate ways, I wish you the best of luck. Good stuff. Let's talk about um, Czech Congo, because what I was interested in, we are talking about this with you, and Rampage Jackson last week with big John McCarthy. The, the, the profile of you guys both going into that fight, I believe it both turned 40 at that point back in the 2018. Got Czech Congo potentially, uh, well, has signed a new multi-fight deal with Bellator. In his, I think he's 44. How are, are fighters achieving this longevity? How are they doing that? How did you do that? Czech Congo is one of my favorite subjects, I must tell you. I am what they would call a mark for Czech Congo. I think the guy is great. I mean, the guy takes his shirt off. He looks the part. He looks like he was carved out of stone. Then he goes out there and fights. He's excited. By the way, and to your point, not only is he 44 years old, and he's getting better. Czech Congo <laughs> is better now than he was two years ago. I mean, this guy is defying the odds on the highest of levels. I like the way he trains. I think he's very smart. I think he's very calculated. He's got a fun style. I'm so glad they re-signed him. Look, Czech Congo could go on and become a, a contender again. He's already a top five guy right now. I'm not sure he won't be fighting for a championship again. 45 and 46-year-olds. This guy's getting better. <laughs> he certainly is, isn't he? He's getting better. If you go look at the streak he went on, I understand what happened in the Ryan Bader fight. He got, you know, whatever happened with the eye and that whole. Mm. Take the Bader fight out of it. 
this guy's getting better and he's fighting hard competition. I mean, he's fighting the up and comers. He's even been thrown there a few times to be fed to the wolves to shine some other guy's wheels up. Check beats those guys too. Yeah, well, it's, it's good stuff. Talking, staying with heavyweights and Garno at the weekend. What did you make of, of that? And I know there's been a lot of people who are both boxing and MMA fans who'd like to see him fight Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua. He's almost got a similar punch style to Wilder, hasn't he, with the, the haymakers and the, the windmill. What, what did he's you make so of the weekend? Up. He's flat scary. And I, I don't know that I use that word ever. I'm not a prude to this. I understand it's a contact sport. He's scary. And the rules are different when they come to Ngano. I'm not sure he did one thing right in that fight, by the way. His footwork <laughs> wasn't great. His punches weren't straight. His combinations were weird. He has power. Mm. I mean, he has this great equalizer. He's putting guys in the hospital that are top guys. Guys yeah. that can defend themselves. Rose's troop was undefeated. He can't make it 20 seconds with a gun. This guy's scary. I mean, if you're talking about a future booking, you have to make this guy a top contender. There's only two guys in the whole company that can protect themselves. That, that's Daniel Cormier and Steve Miocic. Somebody else is going to get hurt. If you're, if you're the matchmaker, you have a real responsibility with this guy that, like we've never seen before. Like we've never seen. If you don't put him in there with the right guy, you are hmm. sending somebody to doom. Could you see him? Could you see him in boxing? Because we got on Sky Sports, we've got, we got we follow Anthony Joshua. We have we have his fights here. Could could he translate? What is what's your general take on on the potential for mixed martial artists to cross over? Mixed martial artists suck at boxing, and why they keep acting like they don't is beyond me. Look, it's two different sports, okay? And Gano cannot walk out there flat footed throwing haymakers and go with any of the guys you just mentioned. And I'm not an Engano hater. I, I just mm. respect boxing. It's either a real sport or it's not. In many ways, boxing is not a real sport. It's not mm. in the high schools. It's not in the colleges. It's barely hanging on in the Olympic Games. You want to be a top 10 boxer in the world in any weight class? Raise your hand because there's not 10 other guys that are doing it. I was 28 years old when I met my first boxer. I used to live at the Olympic Training Center that has a boxing program. I still never met one of those guys. Nobody boxes. I love how boxing loves to talk about the greatest ever. The greatest ever out of what? Out of the 50 guys that have ever done it? I mean, it's barely even a real sport, in all fairness. Yeah. But the guys that do do it, it is a sweet science. And no, an MMA guy cannot walk over into boxing without getting his ass. Yeah, okay. Uh, what about Cain Velasquez and the, the, the sort of um, cameo he had in WWE? Can you see him? potentially coming back to, to Bellator or, or something like that? Having a future That's in an there. interesting one. I, I wonder what's going to happen with Kane. And this has never been a cash grab for Kane. He made his money years ago. He's just a true competitor. He's a guy that likes to go out in front of an audience. I think the WWE was a perfect fit for him. And I don't know that I buy that he's not going to be back there. Every report I've heard, and I know a lot of those guys, they really liked him. Behind the scenes, you know, Kane is a real gentleman. He looks scary as can be, but he can fit in very well. He's a very quiet guy. He's a very respectful guy. He's a curious guy. He wants to learn different things. I think the WWE is probably a perfect fit for him. I think they had some budget cuts, and that's why they lost him. I think they're going to pick Kane back up if you want my prediction. Okay. Fascinating to see how that, how that works out. Now, we are talking about the new Bellator Recharge show on Sky Sports. We had your victory last weekend to kick it off, which people can see on demand on Sky Sports at the moment over Rampage Jackson. What do you remember about that? And a technical point as well, going back to the Gaethje comments and the, I guess, um, I guess the sort of failure sometimes of wrestlers to use their wrestling skills. You used it in that match. And big John McCarthy was saying as a referee, he'd seen more of a subtle approach from wrestlers as, as mixed martial arts had developed. How would that change for you throughout your career? Did you have to start putting feints in there and things before you, before you launched takedowns? 
Yeah, definitely. The, the main thing that changes in wrestling and MMA, and this wasn't always true. Back in the 90s when it started, if you were a great wrestler, that was enough. But if you were a great jiu-jitsu guy, that was enough. If you were a great kickboxer, you only needed one, I guess is hmm. my point. Around 2001, 2003, somewhere in that era, it all started to change. And the big problem that the wrestlers have now is in wrestling, you start in this posture. You start bent over at the waist. When you change that posture, Ed, to your point, the setups now change. What it would take in a wrestling competition to get your hands on a guy, push him, pull him, fire your attacks is totally different when it's punches and kicks coming at you. You can learn that very quickly. We still see guys learning that very quickly, but very quickly, which used to be six weeks, is a little closer to 18 months. So some of these wrestlers, I do think, need to get in the right rooms. They've got a good base. They've got a good cardio. They've got a good work ethic. They understand competition. But the sport itself is very different, and wrestling on its face simply is not enough. Okay, yeah, it's, it's such a complex picture. What is that? What are the magic ingredients? What do you think of? Say, wrestling's not enough. What are the, the sort of the ingredients that go into making the most effective mixed martial artist? Because Big John was saying you can't detract from your your strength, but obviously a striker would need to be able to guard against takedowns. Yeah, I think really just to mix it up the most. And I've spent a lot of time philosophizing on this. As a parent, I have a son. I don't know if he'll go into fighting. I'm not going to push him in that direction. But if he does, and I need to support him, and I need to make sure that he has the right tools and the right training. Some of the stuff that I had to guess. My father and I had to guess. But mm -hmm. MMA is a little bit more formed now. Look, wrestling is definitely a good base to have. It's good for your cardio. It's good for your strength. It's good for your balance. The techniques of wrestling do not necessarily translate directly to mixed martial arts. You've got to understand the submissions, of course, and then you've got to be able to have some stripes. I mean, we, after all, the rules do call for damage, and that's where some of your damage comes from, is learning how to do those strikes. I am, am a very big defensive guy. I like the basics. Your chin down, your hands up, your feet moving forward, a lot of head movement. I think some of those things are even more important than the offensive attacks. Yeah, I heard you talking about kickboxers and a lack of head movement, actually, which was quite interesting. And when you look back to the, the, the win over Rampage Jackson, what, what, was, what did that mean to you at that stage of your career? How much did you like the, the concept of, of the Grand Prix? Well, I love the tournament format. I love it because uh, it takes all the politics out of the sport. And a lot of other uh, sports don't have politics. They have a playoff season. Ultimately, if you have more points than the other team, you can advance to the next round and the right guy wins. Combat is not that way. From boxing to MMA, there is a lot of politics. There is a lot of mandate. There is a lot of appeal <clears throat> that matters. You know, who the fans want to see largely uh, influences who the next fighter is, is going to be matched up with. So when you do a Grand Prix, it was a big risk by Scott Coker. He couldn't just make the big fights that he wanted. He had to let this thing play out. He goes and grabs eight of the baddest dudes he can find and then lets them figure this whole thing out. So there was no way to argue. We all had to concede when Ryan Bader won that thing. Bader, mm. you are the champion. I mean, there's just no argument at that point. You bring up my Rampage fight specifically. The one thing that I really remember about that fight is I was in the ring first. He came in second. And I'd never been at heavyweight before. And I remember when he came through the cage door, he kind of had to, like his body didn't fit. He kind of had to turn. And I remember watching how big he was come in. I remember standing in my corner with a straight face, staring him down, thinking to myself, what did I get into here? Yeah. It must have been good. It must have been good when he won then to, to have. It felt great. You yeah. know, it felt great. I think Rampage's size might have worked against him. You know, I, I, I think skill for skill, Rampage and I could go beat each other on any given night. But on that particular, I think he was a little bit too big, Ed. I think that might have mm. been the story later in Rampage's career. And I know it's something he's identified. He's publicly talking about, I'm coming down. I'm going all the way back down to 205 pounds. You know what? Ramp a lighter Rampage is a better Rampage. Mm. How yeah, how difficult is that for fighters who move up to, to not overdo it and get carried away with, with, with adding weight? 
Well, it's a very real thing, and you'll, you'll always hear about a size advantage, but I don't know that I've ever seen one. We hear about it, and commentators speak of it, but it's a size disadvantage. I can't think of very many times where the bigger guy wins. It's generally the smaller guy that can move a little bit better. He can be a little bit quicker. There's nothing more that's helpful in a fight than speed. You'd rather have mm. speed than power. Not to mention the lighter guy has a natural built-in endurance. He, he can do the, the same stuff the bigger guy does, the bigger guy – you know, it's just harder to move around. So I really think that being lighter, and there's a tipping point there. You know, you don't want to be 180 pounds taking on a guy 280 pounds. But I do think there's a tipping point somewhere in there. Even Mike Tyson in his prime was 220. Muhammad Ali mm. was 198 pounds. It's mm. very rare that we see guys that are close to the heavyweight limit that go on and do great things. Yeah, it's about finding what's natural for, for you, I suppose. Now, you had a long, distinguished career, fought some legends. You had Anderson Silva a couple of times, John Jones as well. But next up in the Grand Prix was Fedor Emelianenko. I hope I did his uh, last name justice there. But what was it like standing across the ring from, from Fedor? Where did he rank in the, in the legend? You yeah. Well, Fedor, he's just such a legend. You know, I mean, there's something around him. If Fedor walks into the room, you feel something. There's an aura about him. He's very similar to Hoist Gracie in that way. If, if Hoist mm. walks into the you feel something. So, I thought I could beat him. I wanted to fight him for a number of years. I remember when he was in Japan and doing great things in the Pride organization. I wasn't even broken into the business yet. I was fighting down at the dog park and just trying to get my name out there. But I always thought about Fedor. I always wanted to be in that ring with Fedor. And I thought I could beat the guy. I thought I could get my hands on him, drag him down, and beat him up. And I had my chance to do it. I will tell you, Ed, he is so fast. Oh, my goodness. He mm. hit me five seconds into the fight with a missile. Easily the hardest shot I've ever been hit with in my training anywhere, any way you want to do it. And the only reason I didn't quit right then is I, this is going to be the fastest knockout of all time. I have to get up. If it wasn't for that, I'd have stayed down on that first shot. Yeah. <laughs> well, next up, just for uh, Sky Sports viewers, Matt Mitrioni against Roy Nelson in, in one of the other quarterfinals. What, what do you remember about those two and how do you, how do you rank those two? Great fight. That was actually a rematch. So they fought in the ultimate fighter over in the mm. UFC years before. And Mitrione had the strangest excuse, if you will, but he did not like the size of the cage. The UFC has two different size cages. One's the big cage and one's what we call the small cage. Mitrione was told he was going to fight in the big cage, and when he got to the venue, it turned out it was the small cage. He always presented that. I never fully understood what his argument was. I never fully understood what the difference in those two. I could be in the big one or the small one. I wouldn't even know if it was the big one or the small one. <laughs> but it meant something to Mitrione, and he clung to this for like six years. So he gets that rematch with Roy. I got to call that fight from cage side. So I was right there. And my biggest takeaway, Ed, I cannot believe how much power Matt Mitrione can generate in mm. a leg kick. He does something called an inside leg kick. Any leg kick for power, you have to have a setup and then you have to step what we call off. You have to take a step to generate that power. Mitrione does neither. He just stands there, lifts a leg and kicks. You could hear that smack on Roy Nelson's leg throughout the building. It was shocking how powerful Mitrione was. Yeah, we'll look forward to that on Sky Sports this weekend. Just a thought about Bellator potentially coming back in July, as you mentioned. You're, are you still in Oregon at the moment, are you? Is that where you yes. are? How yes. difficult will it be for fighters to train with the lockdown rules? Obviously, they're probably different around the U.S. I know Florida's a little bit more relaxed. But how difficult is it to train, particularly to spar and, and get fight ready for potentially July? Well, I can tell you that the team that I belong to out here in uh, Portland, American Top Team, it's hard. You know, we have to schedule workouts. You're slipping in the back door type situation, hoping that your coach is going to show up. I mean, it, it can be a little bit of a mess. And particularly, we have seven guys that are signed to the UFC or Bellator. So we have to do seven different training sessions a day 
just to try to observe the distancing and really limit down on the numbers. Look, these, this is a mental drill. Physically, these guys can put their shoes on, open the front door, run outside and day they want, do their shadow boxing, visualize, get themselves in a good spot. But to actually go through this, uh, you know, to change your schedule, you're used to going every day at three. Now you got to go in at 10 a.m. every day, whatever it could be for the coaches and each guy. It's a mental drill. And I can tell you my, my own focus group of my own teammates, they're passing it so far, but it, there's some challenges for sure. Yeah, people talk about mental challenges for, for regular civilians as well. Do you think fighters are more conditioned for, for this kind of attritional atmosphere? Or do you expect maybe people to get exposed when, when the fights come back in Bellator, potentially people that have struggled for discipline during this process, that, that maybe there's some shock results? I, I think that people might use it as an excuse. I mean, look, the bottom line is it, it, it's even even. Whatever you got to do, your teammates got to do. This isn't isolated to one city or one state. This is a global deal. So, yes, I would imagine somebody will use it as an excuse. Is it anything short of an excuse? No. The rules are the rules. We know the situation. Scott Coker's giving everybody plenty of time. He's already said it's likely going to be July. You've got a contract with Bellator. You know exactly uh, what you got to do, when you got to do it, by all the way down to making weight. No, I wouldn't accept those as excuses, but I do expect that they will be used. And you'd be happy to fight now, would you, with the, with the safety conditions there? Oh, I love it. I don't even care about the safety conditions. And I, 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 you do your own thing, but I'm not worried about that in the least. And, uh, yeah, I love it. I'm completely jealous of these guys that get an opportunity. I mean, I'm retired. Nothing has made me want to fight more uh, than seeing some of these opportunities. I mean, and all, all eyeballs are on them, too. And in all fairness, you know, a lot of the things yeah. that fighters go do this for is for the attention. You get a pat on the back. All of yeah. our listeners work very hard, but how many of them get recognized? It's a very rare thing. In this kind of a sport, this kind of a field, you do get recognized. Uh, that could be good or that could be bad. But, I mean, that's a fair risk. It's, it's still a situation that's a little bit unique. Yeah, I'm jealous of these guys. Yeah, you weigh up the risk equation, don't you? And I suppose it's, it's interesting because in the UK, football, soccer is the, is the big sport. And there's been footballers come out and say they're not quite prepared to maybe go back into action yet, despite the safety protocols. But is it different fundamentally for fighters because the sport in itself is risky, that perhaps the risk of, of coronavirus feels less, less intense for them? Yeah, I think that that's fair. I mean, I, I think that that's fair. There's a lot of testing. I just have to tell you, I mean, the government oversees combat. I, I don't know of any other sport in the world where government oversees it. So mm. it's very safe. I mean, I have to tell you that it's, it's very safe to the knowledge that we have. You try to, when I say it's very safe, by responsibility and ethics of the information that we've all been given, plus the promotions are then stepping in on their own, just purely out of an integrity standpoint and moving forward. Look, Scott Coker could throw an event yesterday. Scott Coker didn't have to cancel his event at the Mohican Sun. He did that out of integrity. He did that of, out of recognizing, I don't fully know what's going on here, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of everybody. I'm going to send everybody home. Go meet with your doctors. Let's, let's wait. Let's gather some more information. Let's do this again later. And that's responsible. Nobody's ever said thank you, Scott Coker, for that, but he's owed a thank you. That was a good job by him. Fair point. It's been fantastic to speak to you, Chael. You are happily retired, I hope, but um, where can we find you? Because I know you're, you're, you're busy in retirement. You, you're producing a lot of compelling content that we can see online. Where's the best you know, place I to got, find you? I got to tell you, Ed, I've had it with the fans. I've had it with everybody. If they don't know where to find me, I don't need them, buddy. I got the biggest <laughs> show out there, and if they're not out there and enjoying it, too bad to them. You Google Chael Sonnen. It's pretty straightforward. You're there. Google you're Chael Sonnen. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Great to speak I've to you. I've had it with you. Kaboom. Take care. So that is Chael Sonnen on uh, this Mixed Martial Arts conversation for Sky Sports uh, in association with Bellator. Remember, Bellator MMA recharged Saturday night, 10 p.m. 
on Sky Sports and those fight shows also replayed with big John McCarthy hosting them on Sky Sports On Demand. What a character, Chael Sonnen. It does sound a little bit different, doesn't it, than uh, the kind of new, normal podcast, straining a little bit. I'm going to have to uh, relax myself a little bit for those, but it was a good, good chat with him. Real character, real uh, sharpshooter, straight talker, and I suppose he's building a good career. I think it's Bad Boy or Bad Guy Incorporated or something like that is his, his show online. I've seen a few of the episodes, and it just kind of is, uh, yeah, very outspoken, but backs his opinion with, uh, kind of information and of course has that credibility of fighting in mixed martial arts for the best part of two decades I think which is an incredible stint given the um, intense effect on the body of, of competing in that and the grueling nature of it so credit to him good to speak to Charles Son and thank you again to Bang and Olufsen of Cheltenham for supporting the podcast check out Bang and Olufsen Cheltenham's online uh, contacts their social media the website for not only equipment, but also consultation. They can advise you on entertainment systems, particularly with their sister company or brother company, Serene AV, which is not necessarily tied to Bang & Olufsen products, but could recommend the best entertainment systems for you, home cinemas, that kind of thing. And thank you to Cytoplan for supporting the podcast supplement company, cytoplan.co.uk. If you want 10% off their food-based supplements, you can just type in the discount code DRAPER10. D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, my last name, number 10. I hope you are well as we continue, what, eight weeks of lockdown, something around there in the UK and possibly similar elsewhere in the world. I know a few people in the States listen to this, so I hope you're well out there in whatever state you're in. I know it's different, seems to be anyway. I think California, from the uh, grumblings of Joe Rogan, his friend, seems to be pretty severe still in terms of lockdown, despite relatively... um, healthy numbers in terms of coronavirus although you know any any fatality obviously is a, is a tragedy so i wouldn't kind of lessen that but they they're upset with that but i know florida is a different picture texas is a different picture so it's interesting there obviously wales and scotland just behind england in terms of loosening uh, the reins of lockdown just a little bit anyway thank you for listening to the podcast if you could rate it on itunes would be much appreciated i will be having a health-based conversation with a doctor dr ranolf crook from the Cotswold Optimal Health Clinic this week on the podcast as well. So look out for that one if you are looking to kind of boost your immunity, hopefully be proactive and positive in terms of our nature and just see what he's seeing on the ground as a GP in the country with coronavirus in this part of the world, in the west of England, in Gloucestershire. Anyway, thank you for listening, guys. Have a good week.